How are we doing? Fantastic. If you would, I'm going to ask you to get your Bibles out or your Bible apps open. Those of you that are tuned in live stream to do the same as well. Um, some of you might have come in a little bit uh, late, and we understand that. Uh, and we, we're only having one service. You probably were surprised maybe that Kids Zone was not open. Um, we have our women's retreat this weekend. And so a lot of the ladies that serve so faithfully in Kids Zone are having a good time together. And we're, we, we prayed at the welcome that they would really have a time of ministry uh, and, and that they'd be refreshed and come back. And so hopefully, if you're here, um, dad, husband, and you're like, can't wait for your wife to come back, we really hope she comes back maybe a little bit more refreshed and more energized than uh, when she left. But we also have the coloring sheets back there for those of you trying to want to keep the kids uh, um, focused, because I will bore them to tears. And I don't mean to do that, but that's just probably how it's going to go down. I tried to pick a story, though, that would be um, family-friendly. And so what better story than David and Goliath, right? And that's, that's what we're going to talk about today. And, and um, it's not just a story in that we can read it and kind of read it like we would any other story, as if there's no practical value to it, as if it really maybe didn't happen. It's just a nice story. No, it really happened, and there's practical value. And I'm, I'm hopefully going to bring that out. But I want to set it up so that we understand maybe in a fresh new way and look at it through the eyes uh, as if we were there. And, and in a moment, we're going to see a video that helps to do that. But let's understand for a second the backdrop. And that is that God chose a people, the Jews. He chose them for no reason than he chose them. There wasn't anything about them that impressed him. There wasn't anything about them that drew his interest over anyone else, any other people group at the time. He chose them and he made a covenant with them meaning a contract, a promise. He said, I'm going to be your God, and you're going to be my people. And through you, I'm going to reveal to the world who I am. And that was the covenant relationship that he made, the contract that he made with the nation of Israel, the Jews. And now we have the history, the Bible is the history of how that played out. And uh, at the time of that, uh, or the time that we're going to be actually seeing today, we're going to see King Saul. He is the king of the Jews. And in order to be a great nation, in order to be a blessing to the world, God gave Israel and promised them land. He said, in order to be a nation, you need land. And so Israel became the, the promised land. And so God brought them out of Egypt uh, under the bondage of Pharaoh to go back to their land, to inhabit their land so they could be the nation that served the one true God, that as people around saw the one true God being worshipped, they would be drawn into a relationship with the one true God. Now, when they were going back to get their land, there were all kinds of people living in their land who were hostile, and, and there was, they, were, they were their enemies. And in particular, there was a group called the Philistines. And the Philistines, they actually are descendants from Noah's son, Ham. And they were warmongering. They were mean people. And Israel often was fighting with them to try to reclaim their land and, and to push the Philistines out. And so that's exactly where we come into the story of David and Goliath. The Philistines are pushing back the people of God, and the people of God are trying to press forward into the purpose for which they've been given to take the land so they could be a great nation. And I'm going to ask you if you would, let's read the first part. Well, let's open up to our table of contents. We'll all get there together. In your Bibles, find your table of contents. You have an Old Testament, New Testament. I want you to find the book of 1 Samuel. It's in the Old Testament. And whatever page that corresponds to in your Bible, let's all turn to 1 Samuel. It'll be at chapter 1. Let's get to chapter number 17. 
chapter 17. This is the David and Goliath story. And I'm going to read the first few verses, and then we're going to watch a video that I hope kind of brings out a, a, an understanding of what we're going to read subsequent to the video so that as we're reading it, you can kind of see it in your head and, and in your mind so it'll help us grab what I hope to grab from David as he faces this, this giant that he has or that Israel really has. But let's start with chapter 17, verse 1. It says, The Philistines gathered their forces for war at Sokah in Judah and camped between Sokah and Azekah, either actually, in Ephesdamon. Saul and the men of Israel gathered and camped in the valley of Elah. Then they lined up in battle for the nation to face the Philistines. And now verse 3 should be up on the screen. The Philistines were standing on one, uh, one hill, and the Israelites were standing on another hill with a ravine between them. Then a champion named Goliath from Gath, he came out from the Philistine camp. He was nine feet, nine inches tall. And he wore a bronze helmet and a bronze scale armor that weighed 125 pounds. There was bronze armor on his shins, and a bronze sword was slung between his shoulders. His spear shaft was like a weaver's beam, and the iron point of his spear weighed 15 pounds. This is a big guy with big equipment, okay? In addition, a shield bearer was walking in front of him. He stood and shouted to the Israelite battle formations, Why do you come out and line up in a battle formation? He asked them, am I not a Philistine? Are you not servants of Saul, King Saul? He's making reference to. Choose one of your men and have them come down against me. If he wins in a fight against me and kills me, we will be your servants. But if I win against him and kill him, then you will be our servants and serve us. Then the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel today. Send me a man so we can fight each other. When Saul and all Israel heard these words from the Philistines, they lost their courage and were terrified. Let's watch on the screen the rest of the story.
a very common theme in all 66 books of the Bible, and, and I love this, is that God loves the underdog. What I want to do is I want to read the actual story, and I want to see how David is the underdog, pulled off something that, I mean, if you were there, you wouldn't have expected that. And God loves to be, loves to, to make the underdog successful because it's, it's in, Paul said it this way, in, in our weaknesses, God's power is manifested. It's made um, known. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning because I know, do you feel like an underdog? Have you felt like an underdog before? Are you sitting here right now kind of feeling like an underdog because there's, there's, a, there's a fear in your life and, and it's a giant. And this fear, like we read the Philistine Goliath did. He, he calls out Israel, and, and, and he essentially says to them, you want a piece of me? Come on down. And it said that, that, that God's people, the army of, of Israel, was terrified, and they pulled back. They, they felt the weight of being the underdog. They felt the weight of the fear that they had. So I'm, I'm just curious. Do you know... You're giant. I mean, what, what is the fear, the unhealthy fear? I'm talking about unhealthy fear. And by unhealthy fear, I mean the fear that keeps you from doing the right thing, the, the fear that keeps you from doing what God wants you to do. I'm not talking about when you um, are walking on your roof and, and there's, a, there's a healthy fear of falling off it so you, you, you don't walk right on the edge. I'm, not, I'm talking about an unhealthy fear. But I'm curious, what is the unhealthy fear that calls you out and says, you want a piece of me? What's the unhealthy fear right now that is calling you out, that you're dealing with right now? Could it be a diagnosis? Could, could you not be feeling well? Could you, could, you might be like me. Like when I start feeling bad, I go from zero to I'm going to die in two days like that. It does not take long. And I, I have to face that giant and, and not get worked up. Maybe that describes you as well. Maybe it's a move. Maybe you're contemplating a move and you're like, I'm just afraid of what all that involves. Maybe it's a test. Maybe it's an exam. Maybe for the kids in the school, maybe it's a bully and you're just afraid. Maybe it's an empty nest. You're, 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 you are an empty nester. You're about to be an empty nester and you're worried about that. Or maybe on the other side, maybe you're, you're, you're fearful about your, your nest egg. Are we going to be ready for retirement? Or maybe it's a big looming decision. And you're just afraid and don't know what to do. I would suspect for the Christians in the room that maybe a looming fear, a giant in your life is sharing your faith. It's standing up for your faith, just wondering what, is, what are people going to think of me? What is my work going to think of me? What, what impact might this have on me? Well, Fear is a giant in our lives. It's, it's unavoidable. And what happens is when we don't confront our fears, it, it just, we shrink back. We retreat. We give up. We walk away. Uh, we become consumed and paralyzed. And that's not the people of God. And we just saw in that clip that the people of God were shrinking back. They were afraid. They were pulling back, except there was one. And what I'd like to do this morning is I want us to look at how David responded. I mean, how do we, really what I hope to do this morning is how do we put fear 
into our fears. So that as that giant of fear rises up and as he begins to chirp in your ear, as he begins to try to incite in you, retreat, pull back, give up, run, you, you go, no, you, you stand your ground. And because of what we're going to look at, what David did, you, you actually put fear into your fears. And you, you can win that battle. I can win that battle. And that's, that's what we're going to look at this morning. And so if you have your Bibles open to 1 Samuel chapter 17, I want to break down what David did. Let's, let's pick it up from where I left off. I, I read through chap, uh, verse 11. Let's pick it up with verse 12, if you'll follow along with me. Now, David was the son of an Ephrathite from Bethlehem of Judah named Jesse. And Jesse had eight sons, and during Saul's reign was already an old man. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. And their names were Eliab, the firstborn, Abdanab, the next, and Shammah, the third. And David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul. But David kept going back and forth from Saul to tend his father's flock in Bethlehem. He was a shepherd boy. Verse 16, every morning and evening for 40 days, the Philistine came forward and took his stand. Now think about that for a minute. 40 days straight, the giant of fear came out and said the same thing. You want a piece of me? Come down here. And for 40 days, God's people shrunk back. They were terrified. They were paralyzed. They didn't do what they were called to do. They, didn't, they weren't fulfilling their purpose of taking the land and becoming that great nation that would bless all nations. They shrunk back from that for 40 straight days. I, I take that to mean, and I, and, I, and I find this to be true in life, and that is your fears, my friends, they don't plan on going anywhere until they're dealt with. They don't just get tired of hanging around you. Because we have an adversary, our, our, our enemy, Satan, he uses our, our fears. He uses fear to keep us from doing the things that we need to do. And so your fears are not planning to go anywhere because they, they hold us back. And that's what was happening here for 40 straight days. And in this case, you have King Saul, who's supposed to be the, the, the most courageous of them, and leading them into battle, and he's shrinking back. It's not a good look at all. And what we realize, and we can understand, if we put ourselves there, and that's why I wanted to show you the video. If you, you put yourself there, there was a lot of self-preservation going on. They, they were afraid to lose their lives. In other words, they loved their lives more than they loved what God told them to do and trusting in what God would give them so if they could do what God told them to do. And we might be able to relate to that. We love our lives. And, and we've been really taught and conditioned in our culture to really love our lives and, and to get everything that we can for us. Because we love something more than we love God. And here is, this is a fundamental principle. You will not escape this and I will not escape this. In order for you to have the courage you need, in order for me to have the courage I need to face the giant of fear in our lives, we must love God more than anything else. If we love something else more than God, we will not face our fears. We will not conquer our fears. They will continue to haunt us. And I'll explain 
how that happens. But let me just, let me push this into the New Testament. Jesus said this much in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. Luke, uh, Jesus said this as Luke wrote it down. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever seeks to save his life, the Israelites, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, David was willing to do that, will find it. What we need to recognize is when we love God, when we pursue God, when we want God in our relationship with him through Jesus Christ, when we want that more than anything else, we neutralize the power that fear has in our lives. And the reason we do that is because fear, understand this, fear is largely driven by self-preservation, by self-focus, by selfishness. We want what we want, and we want this world. And so what happens is when we have those things in our lives that we really want, that we love more than God, and they get threatened, fear enters into our lives. You see, God does not have a threat because there's no one who is on par, who is equal with God, not even close. And so when we pursue him and put our faith and trust in him and him alone, there's nothing that can threaten that. God is sovereign. God has this relationship with the, with the people of God, the Israelites, and he, he reveals himself to them. And he says, I'm going to be your God, you're going to be my people, and I will lead you to the promised land. To be a nation that will bless all of the nations. They had that promise. But they didn't understand that that was a, a giving up of their lives to follow the God that loved them. And in the process of loving their lives and loving other things, they invite into their lives fear. Again, I'll say it this way. You will never have and I will never have the courage you need and I need to face whatever fear you're going to face until you want and pursue God more than anything else. Because anything else that you try to find and pursue and seek after is not on par with God. It can be threatened. It can be, um, you can lose it in recession. You can, you can lose it with a disease. You can lose it with inflation. You can lose it with a, with a crossword. You, you can lose all those things. They are susceptible. And because of that, we know that fear comes creeping in. So, here they come out, 40 straight days. Verse 17, one day Jesse had told his son David, take this half bushel of roasted grain along with these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Also take these 10 portions of cheese to, to the field commander. Check on the welfare of your brothers and bring a confirmation from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So David got up early in the morning, left the flock with someone to keep it, loaded up and set out as Jesse had instructed him. He arrived at the perimeter of the camp, and as the army was marching out its battle formation, shouting their battle cry. This is day 41, and they're going through the same thing. And their battle cry is, we got spirit, yes we do, we got spirit, how about you? Because they didn't have courage, they had spirit maybe, but they didn't have courage. And David comes upon them. And they're, they're going out, they're going through the motions of coming up to facing their fears with no intention whatsoever of taking them and fighting them. Is that you? I mean, what's your battle cry? What's my battle cry? What are those times when we face our fears and this time we're going to do something about it? This time we're going to face them or we're going to fight them? And I don't know what your battle cry is. I, I, 
I have a, a couple of them. I'm not going to share them with you because I want you to steal them. But, um, but then you get up there, and it's just wah, 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 wah. And your fears just sit out there, and they continue to, to call you out. And, and then you realize, I'm not doing anything about them. And so it's back to being terrified, back to being paralyzed. And David, on day 41, he comes up, and he hears this. Verse 21, Israel and the Philistines lined up in battle formation facing each other. David left his supplies in care of the quartermaster and ran to the battle line. When he arrived, he asked his brothers how they were. While he was speaking with them, suddenly the champion named Goliath, the Philistine from Gath, came forward from the Philistine battle line and shouted his usual words as he had done 40 days prior, which David heard. When all the Israelite men saw Goliath, they retreated from him terrified. Previously, an Israelite man had declared, do you see this man who keeps coming out? He comes to defy Israel. The king will make him the man, the king will make the man who kills him very rich and will give him his daughter. The king will also make the household of that man's father exempt from paying taxes in Israel. And David spoke to the men who were standing with him. What will be done for the man who kills that Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel. Just who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So previously, prior to David coming, through King Saul, there was an inducement. If anyone goes down and takes this guy on, here's what you stand to gain. And so that was shouted out more than likely all 40 days. Well, on day 41, David comes up, and he, he doesn't hear that, but he asks, What's, what happens to the guy who takes this guy out? And, and, and it's explained to him. But what I, want, I want you to see in the question is we get a sense that David kind of realizes what's going on. He kind of realizes what is actually happening why why there's a fear in the Israelite army. And, and, I, and I want you to know, and I think this is important. I think this is worth writing down, okay? What we need to recognize here is as, these, as the Israelites marched out every day, standing there, you know what they were hoping? They were hoping that the giant, the fear that was facing them, would be resolved some of the way, some of the way than them facing it head on and fighting it. They were hoping that something from outside would happen that would change the situation that we're in. And I think for us, when we face our fears, rather than facing them and fighting them, sometimes we really hope that just something changes from outside. Because we, we think of fear as an external threat. But my friends, fear is not an external threat. Fear is an internal heart condition. If we really want to come, overcome our fears, we, we can't waste our time trying to change all the circumstances that are going on around us. Move, change jobs, change relationships. We, we, we'll do that endlessly. And as I said before, fear is here to stay until you fight it and until I fight it. It's not... An external threat. Ultimately, it is an internal condition of the heart. And David is listening to this Philistine shoot his mouth off. He's watching in disbelief over the people of God shrinking back. And he asks this question. 
in which you kind of start to see he's beginning to get it. And David's about 15. He's 15 years old. And in the question, he says, who's this guy? Because removes this disgrace from Israel. This disgrace. He's looking around going, this is a disgrace to us. We're the people of God. How can we be afraid of one rather large dude, but how can we be afraid of one guy? It's a disgrace, he says. He's, and then he makes a reference to the uncircumcised Philistine. What does he mean by that? He's saying, this guy's not a part of the covenant of God. You see, when God made a covenant with his people, Israel, the sign of the covenant was circumcision. And so David's looking around going, how is this happening? This guy's not even a part of the covenant. We have a promise from God that we are the people of God. Now, charge, essentially, is what David is thinking in his head. He says, he's trying to defy, notice what he says, the armies of the living God. He is connecting the Israelite army with, with God. How in the world can we lose, is what David is asking in this question. How and it's the living God, he says. He's saying, God's not dead. The, the Philistines, they worship other gods. They worship statues and things. Those are dead. They cannot help. But we have a living God, he says. How can we lose? You know, for us today, we have a living God. It's Jesus Christ. God came down in the person of Jesus. Jesus lived that perfect life you and I couldn't live to save us. So that if we put our faith and trust in his perfect life, because we don't have one, that satisfies a holy God. And then when Jesus died, he died so that our sins could be forgiven. And then God raised him three days later to say, this is the guy. We have a living God. And, and David is saying, we have a living God. He's having a hard time comprehending. How can this be happening? Verse 27, the people told him about the offer concluding, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. David's oldest brother, Eliab, listened as he spoke to the men and became angry with him. Here's some good old sibling rivalry. Why did you come down here, he asked. Who did you leave those few sheep with in the wilderness? Notice he's, this, this is an older brother speaking to a younger brother. Few sheep. Like downplaying how many sheep he was really trying to take care of. He goes, I know your arrogance and your evil heart. You came down to see the battle. What have I done now, protested David. It was just a question. Then he turned from those beside him to others in front of him and asked about the offer. The people gave him the same answer as before. What David said was overheard and re reported to Saul. So he and David brought to him. So he had David brought to him. David said to Saul, don't let anyone be discouraged by him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. But Saul replied, you can't go fight this Philistine. You're just a youth, and he's been a warrior since he was young. Let me just note parenthetically here. When you're afraid and I'm afraid, you know the last person we want to see is somebody with courage. Because when we see somebody with courage, it, it kind of exposes in us our fears, and, 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 and that we don't like that. And that's exactly what Eliab saw in David, this, the, the young guy, the, the shepherd coming out, who was just tending a few sheep, and he's looking around going, how can this be happening? 
which is an implication to his brothers for sure. And he, they didn't like that. Because when you're afraid and someone with courage comes around, it reveals what you want to be, and that is you want to be courageous. I believe in all of us is a desire for courage. We want to be courageous. We want to be David when we see our Goliath. That was for free, no charge for that, all right? Um, let's look at how David steps up, verse 34. David answered Saul, your servant has been tending his father's sheep. Whenever a lion or bear came and carried off a lamb from the flock, I went after it, struck it down, and rescued the lamb from its mouth. If it reared up against me, I would grab it by its fur, strike it down, and kill it. Your servant has killed lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Then David said, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. David, I've been there. And it wasn't me. It was the power of God in me to, to face and give me the courage I needed to face the fear that was facing me at the time. Saul said to David, go, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul and his own military uh, Saul had his own military clothes put on David. He put on a bronze helmet on David's head and had him put on armor. David strapped his sword on over the military clothes and tried to walk, but he was not used to them. I can't walk in these, David said to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off. Instead, he took his staff in his hand, which he used as a shepherd, and chose five smooth stones from the wadi, from the creek, and put them in the pouch in his shepherd's bag. Then with a sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. So I want to notice, I want you to notice here, what is David doing to face the fear? Because I think if we look at what he's doing, it will help us, what can we do to put fear into our fears? And what I want you to notice is, going back to what we read in verse 25, David goes back to this idea that we are in covenantal relationship with God. We have a relationship with God. We are the people of God. How can we lose? We have the promises of God that come out. I mean, the source of the promises and the provision and the protection of God come through a covenantal personal relationship. How can we lose? For us today, we have a relationship with God through Christ. And we need to remind ourselves that we have a covenantal relationship with God through Christ that has the promises so that we can trust him and put fear into our fears like David is doing right here. Notice that he says he makes a reference to God as Yahweh. Yahweh is the personal name of God. And David certainly had the history of God and how he interacted with the people of God. Certainly the, the, the monumental moment was when God led the people who were in bondage in Egypt out to go back to their promised land of which they're continuing here. David had that. He knew that, that that was their God. And there was that personal relationship with God. And he knew that from that would come the provision and the promises and the protection. How can we lose this battle? It does help that in verse 16, David was anointed as the next king. And so he knew and believed and trusted in that God had chosen him as Samuel identified him as the next king who would succeed Saul. He knew that, but he still had to believe it. He still had to trust it. And, and, and we're no different. 
When, when we have fear facing us, what fear is doing, fear is trying to incite in you and incite in me disbelief. That we don't believe in the provision of God and the protection of God and the promises of God. And how do we fight back? We fight back with the promises of God. We fight back with that personal relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. We fight back with that. This is what, this is what David is fighting back with. Now, let me say this. This is probably the most important thing I'll say. David is unique here. David has been anointed to be the next king. And God's going to sustain David through this. And the Philistines are in the way of, of the people of God being the nation of, of God that's going to bless all nations. So David's unique here. What I want us to understand is the promises that we have today to face our fears. There's not one promise of God that says, I guarantee you 100% of the time I will protect you from all things that you're fearful of. It's not there. Maybe it's a diagnosis and you're praying, God, please, may this not be terminal. But it is possible that God has a plan in your life where it will be terminal. But God will still give you the courage to face such a diagnosis. And God will use that in a powerful way to bring a witness to the glory of God. And, and that's what we have to understand. When we turn our lives over to Christ, when we put our faith and trust in Christ, when he says, follow me, take up your cross, he's saying, take up the possibility as a servant that you are going to suffer. But, it's, but in the suffering, God's not going to waste it. And the other thing that, that we have to understand is when we become followers of Jesus, we realize it's a whole new perspective. Remember, going back to what I said before, why do we have fears here? Why are we afraid of things here? Because we think this is where we're going to live. We think this is where the best of life is ever going to be. But we have an eternity in a new life with a new heaven and a new earth. And, and that's the perspective that we need to have. And when we have that perspective, whatever might happen to us here, do you see how fear loses its power? When our perspective is there. That's why David walked up and said, I'm here. You want to go? Let's go. His perspective was not merely here. He saw the bigger picture, the perspective that he was there to glorify the God. This covenantal relationship, it's not a covenant of equals. It's not like marriage. It is a master-servant, a king-subject kind of relationship in which we submit and surrender entirely to God, whatever His plan and purpose is for us. And until you embrace that, until I embrace that fully with all of our dreams and goals and plans and how we handle the setbacks and disappointments, my friends, fear will not be defeated. As long as you're trying, as long as I'm trying to live as this is the best, or as long as you're trying to live and you want everything and it's about you and, and you want this and you want that, until you let go of that, you, you're just going to entertain fear. I mean, we look at this and say, how could a 15-year-old go walking down and facing this guy? And here's what we want to do. We would rather disbelieve that story. We would rather believe that that's just kind of, you know, a little exaggerated then actually believe it's possible. Because if it's possible, I'll just say this right now, and maybe I speak for everybody else in here, I'm a far ways from David and how I face my fears. How about you? 
Are you far away from standing right there, not worried about anything, not fearful about anything? Because your perspective is there. And because you have a personal relationship with Jesus and you've been loved by him in a way, and you, you realize you've been forgiven for all of your sins, that the promises we have when Jesus says, I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. When he says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, all these promises, if you, if you personalize them and you live them out and believe them, you'll be able to face your fears and I'll be able to face my fears. So let's keep going. Then the Philistine came closer and closer to David with his, I'm in verse 41. Then the Philistine came closer and closer to David with the shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he despised him because he was just a youth, healthy and handsome. He said to David, am I a dog that you come against me with sticks? It's a reference to the staff that he was holding. Then he cursed David by his gods. Come here, the Philistine called to David, and I'll give you the flesh I'll give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a dagger, spear, and sword, but I come against you in the name of Yahweh. There's that personal reference to God of hosts, the God of Israel's armies. You have defied him. Today the Lord will hand you over to me. Today I'll strike you down, cut your head off, and give the corpse of the Philistine camp to the birds of the sky and the creatures of the earth. Then all the world will know that Israel has a God. And this whole assembly will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord says, for the battle is the Lord's. He will hand you over to us. So David sounds pretty confident, doesn't he? And he's got this covenantal relationship with God for sure. But also, remember what I read previous. Remember, he said to Saul, trying to justify, let me out there. He said, I've taken on bears and lions. And it's the power of God that through me, I, those were times of fear. But God gave me the courage and the strength to not be defeated. He said, this Philistine is going to be just like one of them. And that's really the second thing that I gleaned from David. I, I, I gleaned from David first that I need, to be, I need to remind myself that I'm a child of God. I'm in relationship with God through Christ. I'm, a, I'm in covenant relationship. I have the promises and the protection and the provision, not because of anything I've done, because of all that Jesus has done, and I put my faith in his work. But David also refers back to other experiences. He, he needs to realize and revisit how God had delivered him before out of previous times of fear. And we need to do the exact same thing. We need to remember God's past blessings of courage. But here's my question to you. Do you have past stories of God's blessing of courage in which you faced your fears? Because if you march up like the Philistines were doing 40 days in a row, if you march up to your fears every time and you shout your battle slogan, but you don't plan to do anything about it, and then you shrink back, you've got no story. You've got no experience where you've seen God really give you the courage you needed to face the fear you were facing and to win. Do you have a God gave me the courage to face my fears story? in which you did more than just simply come up and go, we got spirit, yes we do, we got spirit, how about you? Because David had that. And because of those two things, David just marched down and he shouted out. Verse 48, when the Philistines started toward, towards to attack him, get this, this is the humbling, maybe this is the most humbling line in this. Verse 48, 
When the Philistines started forward to attack him, David ran quickly to the battle line to meet the Philistine. Does anybody here run quickly to face your fears? It isn't, it's kind of our posture to kind of go, I'm just going to hide until he finds me. Uh, or I'm going to take some time to really think this out, you know. And, and what are we doing? We're doing what the Israelites are doing. I hope that my circumstances change. They might change. But remember, fear is not an external threat ultimately. It is a heart condition of whether you really trust and love God more than anything else. And if you do, you can face your fears. He runs to the battle line quickly. David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, slung it, and hit the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the ground. David defeated the Philistines with a sling and a stone. Even though David had no sword, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He grabbed the Philistine's sword, pulled it from its sheath, and used it to kill him. Then he cut off his head. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they ran. Remember the picture in the video. They, oh, my, it's time to get out of here. The men of Israel and Judah rallied, shouting their battle cry, and chased the Philistine to the entrance of the valley and to the gates of Ekron. The Philistine bodies were strewn all over Shalem, the road to Gath, and Ekron. The end. I'll say it again. God loves the underdog. And my friends, whether you answered the question previously when I asked you, do you feel like an underdog? And you said, no. We are underdogs, every one of us, because we're all born broken. And it's in our, in, in our brokenness, we try to hide it. We try to try to outrun it. We try to numb it. But we can't get away from it any other way than to give it over to God and to receive the healing that comes from Christ. And because of that, and because until Jesus returns and we are, are fully, um, re, our full glorified bodies and we're on a new heaven and a new earth, we will, we will be the underdog because there's an adversary. And he uses fear to hold you back and to, for us to shrink back from being the people of God. And, and I hope that we're a church that says, you know what, like David, we're going to run run to face our fears and we're going to say you've come against the armies of the living God and we're going to face them and we're going to defeat them for the glory of God not for us but for the glory of God so my challenge for you this week would be would you please identify what your biggest fear is and tell somebody that just kind of when you tell somebody your fear it just kind of disarms your fear in a way because because now someone else knows and 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 they can check in with you and, and pray for you and encourage you but whatever your fear is tell somebody secondly is memorize three promises from God's word related to your fears just find three there's more than three, but find three promises that you can memorize so that every time that fear starts to chirp, starts to call you out, you're not spending 40 days with your battle cry and still not doing anything. You are fighting that fear with the weapon that God has given you. And then lastly is, you thought about a fear while you were in here. You brought a fear in here maybe. Today's the day to face it. Today is the day to face it. And to start your story of where God gives you the courage to face your fear. And, and, and you start to accumulate those stories. And your, your courage grows.
and the glory of God grows right before your very eyes. Okay? Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. God, thank you for David. As much as we want to discount and believe that that's just an exaggerated story because we can be comfortable in knowing that we don't have to be like that or maybe can't be like that. Father, this is a true story, and you have put it in your words so that we would read it and know that we can be as courageous as David, not in and of ourselves, but it's through our relationship with you. It's being uh, in remembering that we are the covenantal people of God, and we have access to your promises, your protection, and your provision. And Father, I pray that we will be a church that, that gathers and accumulates stories of courage where you've given us what we need so we can be the people of God to bring glory and to do as you've always wanted the church to do, the people of God to do, and that is to take this out to the nations and to bless other nations. And I pray this in Jesus' name.